You're listening to media from University Lutheran Church and Student Center. We are a multi-generational, Jesus-centered community of Scripture, faith, and grace located in Tallahassee, Florida, on the campus of Florida State University. To learn more and to get connected to other resources, please visit universitylutheranchurch.org. We hope that the next few moments are a time when God speaks into your life by the power of His Holy Spirit about His Son, Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One who comes in order to share with us who He truly is and who we truly are. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, Clark Kent, Peter Parker, many, many other superheroes have this thing that we call an alias, a a secret identity. It's something that the, the superhero has for a particular reason. The superhero has this secret identity, this alternate alias that they use in order to live amongst regular humans such as ourselves. And it's kind of comical the way that that gets played out a lot of times in the lives of superheroes. Because we, what we know who the superhero is, right? We know that Superman is Superman, but he is also Clark Kent. But the people around Clark Kent only know that Clark Kent is Clark Kent and only know that Superman is Superman. Likewise for Peter Parker, likewise for whoever your favorite superhero is and their secret identity. And there's that sort of you know, funny thing that happens when people treat Clark Kent in a way that is very, you know, sort of Clark Kent. Yeah, when uh, when Lois Lane treats Clark Kent like he's just ah, you know he's a nice guy he's kind of bumbling around but yeah you know he's 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 nice I like him he's good but then there's Superman and she thinks a completely different way about Superman and he doesn't really let on that well they're the same person well you've got that kind of interesting issue of identity that's coming up here in John's gospel. Here in in John's gospel, we're about uh, sort of about a a third of the way into the gospel. And uh, and what is happening here is that John has been sort of giving us clues as to who Jesus is. And, And so, you know, these are the kind of clues that we look back and we go, oh, how did they not get that? You know, how did they not understand that every time that Clark Kent left and went to a phone booth, all of a sudden Superman appears. We know what's going on there, but the original people, just like the people that are in the comic book, well, they don't quite get Jesus's true identity. And what they're they're seeing here is well, they're just seeing something that that is well, it, it's it's his human side alone. They're not seeing him for all that he is. They're not seeing his divinity. And so John has been sort of leaving us a breadcrumb trail of things that ease us into the idea that Jesus is God. 
And he does that through two different devices that he uses throughout his gospel. Those two different devices are signs, so sort of miracles that give you the sense, okay, Jesus might be God, and discourses, things that Jesus says, that you go, oh man, he really seems to be making some allusions, he, he seems to be making some, uh, some things that say, okay, this, this is probably God, he's speaking like God, he's claiming to be God. And yet, at, the, at this juncture, in the bread of life discourse, one of, one of his discourses that you're supposed to walk away from with this sense of, oh, okay, he's claiming to be God, the people are confused. The people are confused and, and they're going, oh, wait a second, he just said, I am the bread of life. Now, to us, we're kind of like, oh, that's kind of weird. It, it doesn't seem like it, it really makes sense. But to them, they understand that he's making a pretty clear claim to divinity here. And, and he's saying things like, I am the bread that came down from heaven. And, and they go, wait a second, isn't this Jesus, Joseph and Mary's boy, don't we know his siblings and his cousins and his extended family? How can he be the bread that came down from heaven? Well, if we know his parents. And so there's kind of this, this question of like, okay, well, who is Jesus really? And that's this point in the discourse where Jesus is kind of going back and forth with the people about who he is and who he might be and what his secret identity is all about. That he's got this sort of secret identity at work in him that is going to be revealed on the cross and in the tomb, finally, as he raises out of the depths of Sheol, out of the depths of death. But here, we're still at that kind of moment where we're seeing Clark Kent disappear, or we're seeing something about Peter Parker that we're like, huh, that's weird. He kind of never seems to be in the same spot as Spider-Man, and, and, and they never seem to be in the same place together. That's, hmm, different. And that's where people are at with Jesus. Well, in some ways, that's a great mirror for where people are at with us, too. Because where people are at with us a lot of the time is, is that people are like, well, you know, uh, who, who are you? Yeah, Christians get called horrible things a lot of times. Christians get called hypocrites. They, they get called out on hypocrisy that says, well, you're supposed to be a good person. And Christians go, no, I confess my sins every Sunday and say I'm not a good person. And, and there's kind of that issue of identity that's being called out there when Christians get called hypocrites. It's kind of this sense of like, okay, well, we do know that we are called into righteousness, but we also know that we are sinners. We also know that we fail. We, we know that we commit sins all of the time. And that's not news to us. It's something that we wrestle with. Well, and here in the first reading as well, you've got this, this kind of interesting moment in the life of Elijah. 
And so what's going on here is that um, Elijah has just had, a, you know, a banner day. Um, what has happened here is that uh, we just skipped over the part that you maybe probably know about Elijah, which is that, uh, that Elijah goes and he has this sort of prayer contest with the disciples of Baal. So they go up to Mount Carmel, and uh, while they're up on Mount Carmel, each of them build an altar, and, they, and the people, the, the disciples of Baal, the priests of Baal, they dance around the altar, they cut themselves, which I don't know why that's supposed to do anything, but they cut themselves, they, they go, Baal, would you please light this thing on fire? And nothing happens. And it's supposed to prove whose God is real. And so then Elijah steps up and Elijah says, well, before I get started, here's what I want you to do. I want you to add some water onto my altar just to make sure that, you know, like nothing is on there that's going to, to catch fire really easily. Just pour some more water on it. And so he says, okay, pour some more water on that. And I'm just going to pray. And he just prays. Whoosh. It catches on fire. And because he has proved that he, his God is the real God, what he does with all of the people that are there is kind of gruesome and violent. They go and they kill all of the priests of Baal. All of them. Uh, so they just kind of got things started with cutting themselves. And this makes Jezebel, the ruler, very unhappy. She, she gets very unhappy, and she says to Elijah, after he's had this great day, she says, you are next. I'm going to come after you. And then Elijah gets really afraid, and he runs away. And it's possible that he's even ashamed of running away. And he goes, and he gets very desolate, and he gets very depressed, and he, he's out there in the wilderness, and he needs to be fed, almost literally hand-fed, by God through some angels and some ravens and other things until he gets up enough strength to move on from that place. And as we look at that story, we, we kind of see this kind of identity issue going on. As we look at that story, we, we see something going on with Elijah where Elijah must be so confused about what his identity is. On the one hand, his identity is that he is this person whom God has used in order to show that God is real by a miraculous event that happens. But on the other hand, he is also the person who gets really afraid when he gets a death threat, which we can understand, but really afraid when he gets a death threat and has to go and run away and kind of build his courage back up again. Those two aspects of his identity seem like they would be in conflict with one another. And you have Jesus's identity seeming like it's in conflict with itself. When we look in the Bread of Life discourse, you have here in Elijah where you have that sort of conflict of identity, and we have that in ourselves. In fact, psychologists will, will tell us that one of the, the prevailing things that happens in people that are people that achieve things, that achieve great things a lot of times, is that there's this thing called imposter syndrome. 
That if you are actually able to do something great, like let's say you do really well on that project at work, or you get an A in that class, or you do something that you just are really proud of, that you can possibly move into this moment where you feel like an imposter. Like you just feel like that just happened because, ah, you were lucky. Because, because what's going on in there is that your, your identity is in common. What's going on in there is that you do something great, but deep down inside, you know that, well, maybe I'm not that great. In fact, I kind of know that I'm not that great. Maybe I can do a couple of great things here and there, but deep down inside, I know my own faults. Deep down inside, I know my own sins. Deep down inside, I know that there is a conflict between that part of my identity that can go and do good stuff and that part of my identity that knows that I can also go and mess up good stuff really easily. And so to that, Jesus' words to us become a really good thing because Jesus' words to us are that he is the bread of life that he is the one who will come and give us what we need. He will come and he will raise us to new life. He says that over and over again in this section of the discourse. He says it over and over again that, that what his job is to do is to raise you to new life. It, it is to bring you into this relationship where you have a new life. And that new life is sprouting up in you right now. And so it makes sense that as a Christian, as somebody who believes in him, as somebody who is being drawn to the Father through Jesus, that you're going to have a little bit of identity conflict. You're going to have this sense where I'm a sinner and I'm a saint and both of those things are true about me. And that's exactly what Paul is calling out when, when he tells the Ephesians who they are and how they're supposed to behave. He says, look, this is how you're supposed to behave. I know this doesn't come naturally and so that's why I'm writing this to you. I'm writing this to you as a reminder of who you are. Because your, your identity is going to be in conflict with itself. Your identity, on the one hand, is going to want to sin, and on the other hand, is going to want to not sin. But the good news about that is that Jesus has already told you how that's going to turn out. Jesus has already told you that his forgiveness, his new life, his being the bread of life that is feeding your soul right now, that that is going to be the identity that takes over. There's this thing, it turns into a meme all throughout the internet. Uh, we're not really sure where it actually comes from. You know, it's attributed to everybody from uh, Native Americans to, uh, you know, uh, uh, people who are in Scandinavia to wherever. But there, there's this sort of legend of the two wolves. And the, the sense is that there are two wolves at, 
that are inside of your soul and that you're fighting those two wolves. Those two wolves are fighting in order to gain control of you. And one wolf is the evil wolf and one wolf is the good wolf. And of course, the person who's hearing about this says, well, which wolf is going to win? Is it going to be the evil wolf or is it going to be the good wolf? And the punchline to the thing is that that the guy, the old guy who's telling the story says, it's the one that you feed. The good news for a Christian is that you're getting the food for the right wolf. That the food that is being offered to you by Jesus, the food that is Jesus that is being offered to you in his word and sacrament, that food is the food that feeds the good wolf. It's the food that will raise your new body to life on the last day. And that will be the new life that takes over the totality of your existence. So that when we raise up together in the resurrection, that suddenly we won't feel like we're Clark Kent and Superman anymore. Suddenly we won't feel like we're good wolf and bad wolf. Suddenly we won't feel that imposter syndrome that knows that deep down inside, even though we do good things, we're still kind of rotten people. But rather, when we're raised up to new life, we will celebrate that that new life has taken over in our souls completely. And that is what is at work in you today, even. So who are you really? You are one who is being fed by the bread of life himself. May you go out into this world recognizing that you do have two things that are currently at war in you. And may you fight well to feed the right one and to experience the word and sacrament that Christ has given to you. But may you also know that if you are baptized, that he has already claimed you as one who will be completely his, raised up on the last day. Amen. Thank you for listening to this media from University Lutheran Church and Student Center. To learn more and to get connected to other resources, please visit universitylutheranchurch.org. If you would like to financially support more media from University Lutheran, please visit our website and click the Give Now button, which will enable you to engage in the Christian discipline of giving tithes and offerings to God through His church. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift up His face upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Oh,